Hello and welcome to the second edition of Don't Shoot the Deputies, a podcast run by two deputy heads living on opposite sides of the country. You're joined once again by my good friend and former colleague, Steve. Hi everybody and welcome back to those who listened in podcast one. And myself, Russell, and I'm delighted to tell you that today we're joined by a special guest. But I'm going to hold on just one moment before I introduce them because I wanted to start today by saying a big thank you to all of you who logged on and listened to our first podcast all about well-being. Steve, we were a bit surprised about just how many people listened, weren't we? Uh, extremely surprised given it was our first podcast. But I'd just like to do a big shout out to those in Leeds and Australia as they also where our big fan base listeners come from, as fan, such. Her fan base is a bit bold, but yeah, no, it's a good start. Yeah, Leeds seem to be our most uh, listened uh, city. So I don't know what it is about well-being that's uh, so important to you in Leeds, but I'm glad it's, uh, it's, it's meaning something to you there. So in that podcast, we spoke all about well-being, and I shared a bit of my own experience over the last few years of being coached and being spoken to about uh, kind of an inside out approach to my well-being and making that distinction between overwhelm and overload and I spoke about overwhelm being those feelings that are very overwhelming and they're caused by overwhelming thoughts and anxious Mm. thoughts and the distinction between that and um, overload which is often about being expected just to do a bit too much by perhaps our leaders and needing to be open and honest about that and really that all came from um, some work that uh, our special guest today Stu Newbury has done with me and Stu is a coach living down in Devon I'll let you tell Um, everybody a bit more about yourself in a second Stu but I wanted to start by kind of publicly thanking you Stu because the work you have done with me on well-being I would say has had more of a profound impact on me than any other CPD or training I've had over the last 10 years so thank you and welcome to the podcast. Well thank you Russell and um, well delighted to get that introduction and (laughs) um, just acknowledgement that you've seen something for yourself which um, which I think but the work that we do, um, when, when people get to see who they truly are, it just changes everything. And maybe we can talk a bit more about that during this podcast. That would be great. That would be really good. So could you start by telling us a little bit about yourself, Stu? What's your background and how did you get into this kind of line of work that you're in now? Yeah, well, it's a strange route, really. Um, I've been involved in coaching for the last 10, 12 years. Uh, but before that, I had a career in the police. So I was with Devon and Cornwall Police, and I, I went up through the ranks in the police and ended up as a detective superintendent uh, running major crime investigations across Devon and Cornwall. I finished there in 2005 and then had a short spell back where I was, um, I was reviewing unsolved major crime cases. So a bit similar to my sort of, the latter part of my career. And then I got involved in coaching uh, with my wife, uh, who's called Liz Scott. And we've got, a, we've got an organization uh, which uh, is, you can look it up or anybody listening can look it up. It's called Coaching Connect. And um, that's the sort of platform that we use for the work that we're involved in, which is mainly in, in education, not solely, but um, there's a, a lot of the work that we do is in education. So um, we've had quite, quite a good view across your world and uh, colleagues for, for, for a number of years now. 
Well, and that was an interesting um, aspect of it for me when I met you, Stu, was, was learning that education wasn't a, a kind of a background for, for yourself and Liz. So how did you find yourself sort of falling into this world of education? Well, it was really through Liz. Um, she was doing a, a coaching project with the police, Devon County Council and Devon Education. And she was having a conversation with, with somebody uh, and saying that, this is Liz saying, oh, I'd really like to get involved in education. Who should I speak to about that? And then this person said, well, that'll be me because I run the education on behalf of the county council. And it went from there. And, um, you know, one thing leads to another and into mm. a school. And then before you know it, the word travels and work tends to generate as a result. Mm, mm. Okay, so Steve, I know this. Some of the things I've shared with you that Stu's talked to me about are a bit new for you, and I don't know whether there was anything you wanted to ask or that you're interested in from uh, while we've got Stu here with us. Absolutely, um, Stu. I think first up, uh, going into education as an outsider obviously gives you a different uh, view of how education works. Uh, what are your thoughts on well-being and education from the initial look at it? Yeah, it's, it's a great question, Steve. And in my answers, I'm, I might be saying things that, that seem a bit counterintuitive. Um, so, so bear with me. But um, how do I see well-being in schools? Gosh, you, you, you guys and, and the people that are probably listening who are involved in education, you, you're involved in something which I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go straight for it. Hmm. It's, it's a bit like the, the, the dog trying to catch its tail. You, you, you're, you're really up against it. You're never going to catch your tail. Um, with, with well-being in schools, um, you, you're in an outcome-driven occupation. And it looks like, this is how it, how it looks like for, for, for you all, hmm. is that your, your well-being is attached to outcomes. So in other words, as, as leaders, it will look like I'll be okay if, I, if we get a good Ofsted report. We'll be okay if our children end up giving us good SATS results. We'll be okay if in senior schools, if we get good A-level results. And, and actually what, what we're pointing to is, is something in the opposite direction, which is Whereas it looks like external circumstances are the cause of your feelings of well-being, that's what it looks like, we're saying, look, you're always okay. That fundamentally, at the core of who you truly are, you, you are perfect as you are. You are whole and perfect as you are. That applies to, 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 to you as people who are teachers and leaders in education. And it also applies to the children that you teach. So, so what do you make of what I've said so far? Absolutely. I kind of, I do agree there. I, I think there's so much emphasis on the results formula by the end of it, that that can have an adverse effect on the well-being. Um, and I think it again has a knock on to the teacher workload and the job in general. And we need to tackle that and get to the heart of our well-being because I don't know how you feel, Stu, but, how much impact do you think the teacher well-being will have on the pupil well-being? Well, yeah, um, again, it's a great question because often we're seeing teachers who are completely revved up. Mm. 
so they're, they're completely revved up. So they're in this place that all, all week, you know, they're in early for school. They, they often leave late. They go home, have a bit of time with the kids, hopefully. Then, then they're, they're marking. And then they might have a day off at the weekend. But on Sunday, they're preparing for the week again. Mm. Um, so when, when, often when I speak to teachers, they're, they're just completely revved up. And actually, what we're saying is that the best conditions for us to be at our most powerful and, um, and, and effect is when we get clarity. It's actually when we've got less on our mind, we tend to be better at what, what we're there for. And so there's a complete irony that, that, that it looks like the children that you're teaching are immersed in, a, in an environment where everybody's head is filled to brimming over um, with all the stuff that they need to, get, to do and all the things they need to think about. Well, actually, we just we want teachers just to to be who they truly are. Mm. You know, when when teachers first went into teaching and um, or were employed by you, there's something that really attracted you to employ them. And and yes, okay, they need the skills to do the job, but there's something behind that 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 has us connect as human beings. And it's that bit that we're really interested in as coaches. That's for me is what I'm really interested in. And, and that's the bit I'm pointing out to the teachers and leaders that I work with, that that is the bit that you need to take much more notice of mm. um, as uh, leaders and teachers. Stu, can I reflect on a conversation we had about a year ago? And it was perhaps at a time when I was... I'd got myself into that little mindset you spoke about of believing that my well-being was attached to the outcomes for the school I was in. And, you know, yeah. we take such pride as teachers in doing a good job. And right, mm. we're in an outcomes-driven system. And we spoke in our last podcast that we're also, by nature, teachers, perfectionists who want to do well and want to get it right. And that in itself mm. can generate a lot of self-inflicted stress. But you shared a, a, a very simple metaphor with me that I've come back to time and time again, and I still share with colleagues, particularly those that find themselves teaching in those kind of SATS years where often they feel that additional pressure, whether that's from the outside or from, from themselves. And it's, uh, you talked about the laying the table. Do you remember that conversation? And, yeah, yeah. And, and you spoke about the fact that often we have this illusion of controllers um well, all, all, all of us in our lives particularly us in teachers we're, we're we're known for being control freaks and there's yeah. lots of people listening now going yep that's me um yeah. but we, we we have this illusion of control that we can uh manipulate every single variable in a child's education so that they're always going to be successful and sadly that's not always the case we can do a heck of a lot and we can you know with with passion and with you know the right education a child can do um, enormously well but you talked about it like laying the table for a dinner party yeah now, I've got, I've got yeah. guests coming I can get the table right I mm. can get the food right I can get the tone and the atmosphere and the music right and everything but once the guests arrive there's a lot of mm. there's a lot out of my control and I, I I have to accept that and I have to accept those bits that that I can't possibly uh, control. Steve, how does that sound to you? <laughs> <laughs> We're juggling so much all at once and then still having to think about the job but before your family. <laughs> yeah, that sounds very familiar. Mm. Uh, it's a daily struggle actually. And I know from a leadership point of view, I mean, we, there's a balance because 
someone sent in an anonymous uh, question to uh, the Facebook group actually. So thank you for that. I won't say who you are, obviously. And they said the difficulty is when you have the pressure on the leadership to get the results. And in turn, the, you need to balance out the pressure that you're getting and the demands on the staff. Because when the staff are already at rock bottom uh, and are feeling the strain, how do we then get the balance of their well-being to improve the results? And I think that's something that some schools become so one-dimensional that they overlook that well-being because they pressure so much on for the results. So it's, um, it's looking at a balance and any advice for that leadership. That's what the person was asking for. What advice would we have for a school in that situation? What are your thoughts, Stu? Yeah, okay. There's, there's, a, there's a few things going on for me here. Mm. Um, so, so just picking up on Russell's uh, description of the metaphor, yeah, the, mm. the, the, the idea that the, the, the best that we can do or the best that you can do is, is to create the, the best environment for your, your teachers who, who, who are naturally drawn and passionate about the work they do to, to, to have them be at their best. There's, there's much more likelihood of a school um, operating from a place of well-being when, when that is at the heart of their business. Now, what tends to happen sometimes, and, and certainly in the description that your uh, question uh, has given, is that, you know, a school that seems to be, everything seems to be under the cosh, uh, there's pressure on the, the head teacher to deliver the goods. Mm. Um, the pressure inevitably will, will reverberate through the organization, down through the leadership team, to the teachers, to the children, to the parents, they, they join in the party as well. And, you know, it, 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 it can create a toxic, a toxic atmosphere. There can be a toxic feel about the place. Well, actually, as I started there by saying that when well-being is at the heart of, a, of, a, of an organization and you create the, the right environment, then the chances are, and okay, this might sound bizarre, but the chances are that the results will look after themselves. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of people that will prick up there and, and, and start <laughs> shouting and throwing things. <laughs> but, but just bear with it. I, I think that actually we, we sort of know that, that the, the idea of, of um, control isn't working. The idea that we, we feel that we need to be in control is just impossible. Mm. It, it's, a, it's a wholly stressful in, environment where, where people believe that, again, that the results are attached to their well-being, that if we get a good result, that you know, everything's going to be okay. And the opposite, if we get bad results, then my head's going to be on the block. Well, I can tell you, that, uh, guys, that that uh, Liz and I, um, over the last couple of years, have seen the consequences of, of this yes. with people who, um, head teachers, uh, not just head teachers, but that they, these are the people that we tend to be working with mm. who are off sick with, uh, with stress and who eventually leave the profession. And you know, the, these often are people who, who are just fantastic, caring, considerate people, passionate about the job, pa 
passionate about their colleagues. And it really saddens me that the environment that they're operating within, um, that they, they become suckers for it, really. Yes. And, and I'm really sad to have to say yes. that. Yeah. Mm. Oh, well, I was just thinking, sorry, Russell. Um, excellent points well made, Stu. Uh, thinking on the flip side, there's this, I've worked with many NQTs who come in with such amazing ideas, fresh out of college or university, yeah. or have been on the PGC route. Um, is there any advice for those NQTs and NQT plus one, et cetera, who are new to it, who possibly don't understand or not that they don't understand, but they ha- haven't got the grasp of the world being, being so new to our profession. Mm. Any mm. advice for them in making sure they do take care of themselves. Yeah. Well, first of all, what I'd say um, about well-being is that I'm describing to you a different description of well-being than maybe the conventional understanding mm. might be. So it can be that, that schools say, oh, yeah, we're really interested in well-being. We, we've got a running club. We, we have <laughs> meditation. We do that. We, we do yoga on a Thursday. Um, and, and so there's a, a whole menu of doings. That, <laughs> a tick that, sheet. Yeah, that, that mm. often, yeah, it's like a tick sheet to say, yep, we do well-being. Well, look, what we're interested, what I'm interested in is, is, a, is something that we call, it's a psychological well-being. Mm. So it's, it's just knowing that um, well, when we understand how we operate as human beings, then we've got a better chance of looking after ourselves and just being aware of, of what's going on for us. So for example, what, what we say is that, that what it is to be human is, is just to enjoy the ebb and flow of life. Mm. Now, what I mean by that is if you just look at a roller coaster, is that we can't be at the top of the roller coaster all the time, that there will be dips down at the bottom, but like a roller coaster, you wouldn't put the brakes on as you're going downhill um, in order to come to a stop in, in, in the bottom of the roller coaster. You, you just allow the natural momentum of the roller coaster to take you downhill and then back up again. And, and that's what we're talking about with this psychological understanding, um, this inside-out understanding, is that just know that there'll be highs and lows and that we, we get through it. But there is a tendency, and, and we're all guilty of it, me too, when I forget, is that when, when I'm in a dip, I, I feel that I need to do something about it. Well, look, the truth is that if we just allow the natural human ebb and flow to take its course, we, we, we will come down, we'll go through it, and then we'll come out the other side. And, and it might seem tough stuff that we're going through, but believe me, if we just allow ourselves to let the system look after itself and take its own course, we get through it. Mm. I'm, I'm sure you both can relate to that. Oh, Stu, I spoke to you over the summer. Um, I, I, I learned this summer the fascinating um, phenomena that teachers typically dip in the summer holidays. Some of you out there just love every day of the six weeks. <laughs> it's brilliant. But loads of us take a massive psychological dip and you could point to all sorts of reasons. Perhaps we need structure and timetables and we don't do very well having too much free time. But I, I had a real low in the summer and I, I was really surprised. But I thought I'm with my family. I've got spare time. I'm resting. Mm-hmm. I've got no reason to feel low. Um, but 
when I went on Twitter and I spoke to some colleagues, I found out loads of feeling like it, including a, <laughs> a, a colleague I just left at my previous school who said, yeah, I totally the same. And actually just, just being okay with that, as Stu described, just being okay with that. And then being open enough to acknowledge it in front of a few other people o- online was great because then others point that out for themselves too and you'll go oh this is this is all right this is normal and and for me Stu that's where I've really learned that that's when you get back in touch with your well-being is just by being okay with where you're at and and if you do that in relation with others then the, the power's tenfold isn't it there's something about recognizing your own well-being with or in front of others that puts them back in touch with theirs isn't it oh there's that that's such a great point Look, there's something really infectious about being around people in well-being Mm. And, and, and it seems to be that the opposite happens too when, when we're with people who, um, who, who aren't, let's just put it in those terms, who, who don't seem to be in well-being. Um, you, you know, the, the way you've described that in the summer, I'm sure every teacher can relate to this, that two weeks before the summer holidays, doesn't it feel as though you're almost on holiday? and mm. spirits are high mm. well how can it possibly be that that's the case when with two weeks to go before the end of your holiday you your head is back in school and you're feeling yeah you're, you're feeling a bit low mm. Mm. i mean that's the that's the real power of thought here mm. that if we succumb to to, to 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 believing that that's true then we've missed the trick We've missed a trick. What we just need to see is that, that our thinking in, in the way that we've described there, that's transient, that will pass. What we need to look towards is, is this, we call it innate well-being or true self, who we truly are. That's the constant. That's the bit that, that you guys truly are. When, when you're at your best, when you feel in the zone, when you feel, you know, unstoppable and passionate with, 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 with your colleagues and the work you're doing and the, and the children, that's when the magic's going to happen. That's the infectious bit your colleagues will pick up on. And, and, and that is at the heart of the well-being that we're talking about, that within a school is going to bring you the results that you're looking for. That's a really helpful insight, Stu. Do you know, you, when you first um, spoke to me about that, you said something that resonated big time for me. You talked about that. You talked about when I was at my highest and when I was really on my game and I was in touch with that well-being. And you pointed out that that was my default. And yeah, I think it is, it is I, yeah. I lived with this belief that that was, <laughs> that was what I got in touch with when I got lucky that day or I had a good night's sleep and that that was some sort of fluke. Um, but you know, realizing that, that that was my default, that that's, that's me, that's Russell. Um, and is, is great, is great. So, um, I would really point that out to all our listeners that your default is the amazing you, that is you, um, that's not a fluke. Um, and you won't feel on top all the time, but when you get back in touch with your well-being, you'll start seeing that version of you a lot more often, I think. Yeah. I've got a, a lovely quote, which, um, which, which I use, which, which really, helps to take take your description a bit further and it's by a a man called jack pransky Mm. and and he says all we are is peace love and wisdom and the power to create the illusion that we're not Hmm. so we're talking there about our default our default is peace love and wisdom that's who we are that that's that is a natural 
and and yet there seems to be this i don't know this power behind the scenes that 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 conspires to create this illusion often that we're we're the opposite of that mm. and um yeah so it's it is one that that lives with me all we are is peace love and wisdom and the power to create the illusion that we're not mm, so it's, true it's mm. very powerful stuff so Stu, i'd really like to take our last part of the conversation to just beginning to touch on what do you see as the implications of being in touch with well-being in this way having a more uh, inside out approach, uh, self understanding. What is the potential for our children, not just our teachers, but our children? Yeah. Well, th- thank you. It's um, it's something that that Liz and I are really passionate about. Um, we've had, can I mention this conference that we've got coming of course, up? Yeah. Um, it's called Resilient Young Minds, and it's a conference that we're running in Devon on the twenty second, twenty third of November. Um, there's been such hot demand for, for seats uh, that that is sold out. But um, we're, we're live streaming it across the world and um, that, that creates a different dimension. There's a, a load of interest in, in, in this innate resilience that, that, that we all have. And in particular, we're focusing on this innate resilience that are in young people. Now, there's often a perception that people are broken and they need fixing. Mm. Look, that's not the case. We, we don't need to fix anyone. If, if they just get to see who they truly are and they get to see that, that you, you touched on it earlier on, Russell, mm. that their default is, is resilience, it's well-being, it's love, it's 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 passion, it's compassion. All, all of those qualities, real rich qualities, if people get to see that that's the, the default, do you know what? It, it just makes such a difference because mm. often people believe that they, they are broken. And actually just having the conversation with a young person that says, do you know what? Sometimes I feel upset. It's quite normal. But actually you are you know, you're powerful beyond belief. You've got everything that you need. Mm. Just need to look in that direction. It can make such a big difference. Do you know what's amazing, mm. Stu, is um, I think some of the things you've talked about today will really resonate with people. And I think some people will still be quite challenged by it and they'll take a bit of time to think it through and decide whether it applies mm. to them. But I don't know many teachers that would argue with what you've said about exactly the same thing applying <laughs> to children. Because I yeah. think teachers yeah. always, always yeah. live with this um, belief that mm. children can can improve and have limitless potential and that yeah. it's just funny that they find that or we all find that harder to believe about ourselves but when i think <laughs> every every day in my job Stu, i see people having conversations of that kind where yeah. we point children to their well-being and we tell them what they're feeling's okay and we tell them that mm. um it doesn't have to be this way if they're in that rut and you know that's it, beautiful it's, that really is beautiful. It's, yeah. it's, it's those moments that give you the sort of shudders down your spine. I had one yesterday with a young man who had really got anxious about things and was presenting some ways of behaving that we wouldn't be desirable. And the second we pinpointed what it was he was having some anxious thinking about, this mm. child just became sweet and vulnerable and just wanted to talk to us about what he was feeling. And it was, it was we were lucky in that instant we could point to what it was that was, was causing him that anxiety. But children need that, don't they? They need us to point well, to 
do. Well mm. what, what, what I'm hearing, you know, from because Liz and I tend not to work with young people, mm. but 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 there, there are people that uh, we do know that are working with young people, and they're 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 seeing they're getting tremendous feedback um, from working with young people who are either on the verge of exclusion, um, they're they're, they're in um, uh, some form of punishment within the school environment, mm. um, and actually what they're they're having different conversations with these young people to the point where um, the, the the staff are saying, "Is this the same person?" Yeah. I mean, it's. Mm. it's I, I'm really not surprised. I'm really not surprised. But actually, if if we, I think it would have a big impact on behaviour. I really do. If, well, if we had much more of this in in schools well i wanted to talk behavior because steve you must well i know you have because i've worked with you but <laughs> you can think of lots of children who all the reasons for why they're choosing to do something that's not very nice they point outside rather than inside don't they mm, absolutely yeah and i was just thinking about that and it's a uh, it's us relating to the children as well and we all it, this, it feels like we're talking here about growth mindset and beyond like, like growth mindset is the tip of the iceberg really and it's actually digging deeper um, and I can certainly think of plenty of children who have had this and I, Russell it's lovely to hear about your experience yesterday because again mm. it's something where teachers it, we work in a very stressful environment and there are certain children who could possibly push your buttons it's then having them having a safe place and someone to talk to and actually going into why no one is inherently uh, or looking at the behaviour that they're displaying, it's for us to work with the child to mm. uh, feel more positive. Well, well, just uh, pick up on a couple of things, there, Steve. Mm. Um, yeah, there, there is a perception that uh, some youngsters can push our buttons, but you know that's that's not possible. Mm. That is just not possible. It, it looks like that young person is causing me to feel angry, for example. Yeah. Well, when we, when we get to know how the system works, then we'll see that innocently I'm generating my own anger, innocently. And, and it looks like it's that child that's responsible for it. When we get to see that, actually, the way that we interact with the child is going to be from a place of understanding as opposed to a place of anger and annoyance. Mm -hmm. you're, going to get, you're going to get two different responses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Stu, I have to, I, uh, I've got a, a teacher in my school at the moment who has just embodied that for me, and I just got such really? uh, respect for who's had, who could easily at various times in this first term have pointed to the children who were displaying these slightly negative behaviours as the reason for for angry feelings or resentment or whatever. And over and over again, she's been able to point back to an understanding of that child and, wow. and where they're at. And wow. it's, not, it's not about accepting um, uh, no. highly disruptive no. behaviors or no. um, I hope no one takes that message. It's no. not about tolerating anything that's mm. aggressive or prevents learning, but it is about having the wisdom to understand it isn't it and to unpick that and to help point that child back in touch with their well-being and I think I think that's got such scope and I think there's so many children I've met in the past who will use phrases like they made me do it when yeah when they when they hurt someone or whatever and 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 like you say that can't possibly be true and I'm pointing back to you, mm. you, you know, that child has not made you do that and it seems obvious for us as teachers mm. um but for that child, that's, a, that's an illusion, isn't it, Stu, that they, they believe that to be real? 
Well, they do, and and it's it's really fundamental to what what we're talking about. This inside out understanding that, that that when we get to recognise that our thoughts, our thoughts are they're illusionary. Okay, our thoughts they they look and feel real, but they are they're just made of energy, and and they'll disappear if we if we don't give them any attention. But in a in a playground dispute. I, I know from what I hear that kids get to see this much quicker than adults. Yes. <laughs> all right. So, so there's a bit of an irony in all this that that the pathway to the children are through through through, through the teachers, and and often the teachers might struggle to actually get to see what we're talking about here. But believe me, the children see this very quickly. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I just think that this can make a big difference to one of the things, one of, one of the, 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 the real dilemmas that you have in education is, is behavior. I would say particularly in secondary schools and, and I imagine in some, a lot of junior schools too. So, so, so forgive my ignorance there if that's the case. Russell, on, Russell just, just going back to your uh, teacher that is uh, seeming very proficient at what, mm. what they're doing. Um, time is going to be a lot of people's argument in we don't have time to get to know the child and I know that's something that we is inherent in our job actually yeah um, how would you respond to anyone who's sitting there thinking I haven't got the time to do this to, well, to well I'd, to I'd, I'd say I'd say one that's a really fair point uh, <laughs> I'd say two it's not always about it is that quantity quality thing if i'm a class teacher it's about mm-hmm. how i connect with my children isn't it and actually yeah, yeah. sometimes more can be, be achieved in a one minute um conversation where you have actually listened deeply to what they've got to say than um you know aiming to have this dedicated time of an hour with them where you, <clears> you're not actually paying attention to what that child's trying to convey so there's that bit but i'd also point out that there's more than one adult in a school that was responsible for the well-being yes. of a child so one really profound thing going on in my school at the moment and it's just so exciting to be a part of it is we've recognized a few key individuals that we wanted a kind of a a, a mentor um for you know someone an adult that they just have a really special connection with outside their classroom who you know they spend a bit of time with either on a daily basis for some children or i've I've got one young man once a week i spend a bit of time with and and that's about giving them some dedicated time during that week where they get to really connect quite deeply with um someone they respect and like and who cares deeply about them and Oh, the results of some of these children in terms of the, their success rate in school over the last um, few weeks since this has been set up has been astonishing because right. they are changing the way they're thinking about themselves and about the school environment. You know, quite, very often mm-hmm. because of factors out of our control, they're in a fixed kind of spiral of thinking of believing they're no good and they're 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 worthless. And um, you know, it's often linked to their self-esteem and suddenly they're getting the message you're great and you're okay and as Stu said you're whole <laughs> and you're complete and you're 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 all right and actually just you see those anxiety levels really come down so I think mm. there's ways around the time but if you've got you've got more than one adult in a school you all you know it's the collective responsibility to make your exactly children in touch with their well-being isn't it yeah I was just well, feeling that I'm echoing that Russell just that it doesn't fall on one person's shoulders no. we're all there to support every child in the building so yeah. Uh, collective is exactly what I describe it as. Yes. Can, can I just come in there, Russell? Just on, on the, yeah. the way you describe the, the relationship with your mentors and your mm. young people, mm. this is exactly what I'm, I'm pointing to. Yeah. Is that is that when people connect, 
be, beyond this, um, be, beyond any sort of hierarchy, yeah. uh, in other words, teacher, child, that there's, there's something about connection of well-being, connection of true self. Mm. We, we see in each other. It's, it's, it's impossible not to experience. Absolutely. Uh, and, and that's where the magic happens. And it is magic. That's the great adject- mm. adjective for it. And I'm going to have to start wrapping it up there, because, which I hate, yeah. because I could sit and talk to you, Stu and Steve, all day about this. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but I'm sure, I'm sure it will come up again in some, in, some other, in some other podcasts. Stu, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing what I've known for a long time you're incredibly passionate about. And what Stu and his mm. wife, Liz, are trying to do is just, I just think it's got profound implications for well, outside education, but within education, our young people and our teachers. So if you are interested in what they've got to say and you want to go on their website, the Coaching Connect, and I'll put a link on our Twitter to, to Stu's um, Twitter handle, which I've mentioned a few times this week. So get in touch with Thank him, you. follow him and talk to him, and he'll be happy to talk to you, won't you, Stu? Happy to deal with anything. Fantastic. And it'd be lovely to do this again at some stage if, if, you, if you want to. Oh, of course. You'd be very well. I found well. it enlightening today. It's been brilliant listening to both of you, actually. Great, Steve. Great nice. to meet you. Um, I wish you well for the podcast, both of you. It's, it's, it's going to be good fun. Thank you very much. So everybody, um, please do um, share this because we want to have lots of new listeners, but we would also like you to get in touch. Please do um, speak to us either on our Facebook page, uh, Make an Impact Education, or on our Twitter handle, Dynamic Depths. And if you fancy using a hashtag, you can use Don't Shoot the Deputies as well. But thanks ever so much, and we'll speak to you again soon. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Don't shoot the deputies.